Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we want to welcome you to episode four, season two of True Crime Broads. How are you doing, Renee? I am doing good. Um, just trying to uh, get ready to go out of town and do some sheet selling. Yay. And um, took some pictures of a friend's um, dogs that she trains uh, for their website a couple days ago. And, you know, just staying busy as always. That's awesome. You know how I've been on my organizing kick? Yeah. Which desperately is overdue in this house because we've lived here so long and there's five of us and we're all just sort of like little mini hoarders. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, I, I'm i hooked. I want to give this lady a shout out. She doesn't know me. I just stalk her Instagram and watch all her YouTube videos. But her channel on YouTube is called Do It on a Dime. And it's, she is amazing. This lady's like the ultimate housekeeper. Um, Her house always looks so clean and amazing. And she um, has all these organizing videos where you can do organization um, with Dollar Tree um, containers. I know I was telling you about that and inspired me to do my pantry. Now I'm working on some things upstairs. And it's really cool because sometimes, you know, that can kind of set you back on organizing projects. If you know, if baskets are $14.99 a piece and some containers are just really expensive, like that OXO brand, which I really like those containers, but I was kind of thinking, I want to do this really fast on a budget. I'll go ahead and use things I already have. But then when I needed more plastic containers that look like baskets or what have you, I just went to the Dollar Tree and got piles of them and it was so fun and it was so inexpensive. And now our pantry looks really cool. So it's been a mess for too long. You know, people just grab things and throw them back in and our trash can used to be in the pantry. It's not anymore, but it was in there up until I did this project. And then, you know, like kids will throw their trash in there, but they'll miss. And so you're thinking, oh, what is yes. that? What does that smell in the pantry? And then you realize it was one of your kids had thrown, you know, food and mist or whatever. So I pulled that out of the pantry and it's so much roomier in there now. And you can, it's a walk-in pantry, but I'm ashamed to say that for a few years there, we couldn't even walk in it because things were just, you know, on the floor. Like I would put my instant pot and crock pots on the floor because my shelves hadn't been organized in so long. Anyway, it just looks no. better and it's so much more functional and pe- it's peaceful. So it's well worth, I would say on this quarantine, that was the best thing that happened for me was getting organized. And, and so it's a work in progress, but it's been fun. I know you did your pantry not too long ago, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I have to make a confession. You know, you um, have sent me these, so so kindly sent me these videos. And I haven't watched one of them, but please don't stop <laughs> stick with me you know it's okay that eventually at some point I'm going to watch them because the thing is is I'm like you I love to be organized and I and I I used to my mom used to always give me a hard time because um I was always even as a teenager I would always organize the pantry with you know everything in order and everything had to be facing kind of like a stalker would do mm-hmm. <laughs> not a stalker but a stalker <laughs> and um you know it, everything had to be facing and anyway and so I, I, you know, the only reason it gets out of sorts is because I just don't have time to stand there and do that. But I definitely want to watch it because I would love to get things organized. And, and it's so funny because whenever you see these videos or whatever, you're like, how, why did I not think of that? <laughs> you know? So it's just crazy, but I definitely want to watch it. So don't give up on me. Okay. Well, Renee, please do not feel bad because people have sent me podcasts that I haven't listened to. 
and podcasts you don't even have to watch you can do that while you're doing other things and you would think as a podcast co-host I would want to but I just get so frazzled sometimes during the day that's why we record at night I guess is because we both have so much going on so don't apologize that's awesome and you can watch them sometime when you're feeling it Right. You know, I bought this uh, really cool uh, thing and I'm sure it's not anything new, but it's new to me that, you know, in other words, like I've, I didn't even know they had them, but my husband asked for, he likes to sleep with um, like a mask so he can't see any light. That's what Mike and, does. Really? Yeah. And I don't, I don't like to see light either, but I don't want anything over my face. But anyway, so I bought him, yeah. So I bought him one um, off of Amazon and it has the earphones inside of it, which is really neat. And it's really lightweight and he absolutely loves it. So I thought, well, I want something like that, but I don't want it to go over my eyes. So they have one that's kind of like a, just a head <coughs> and it has the earphones in it. So the other day, and I have, I'm just, I think you have the same problem that I do. We've talked about it before where I go to bed and I'll be yawning and yawning and really tired. I'll go lay down and I'm wide awake. Yep. So I have been putting on my, um, my little head band thing with the earphones in it, whatever you call that. And, um, and listening to some different podcasts. And I mean, I can't tell you probably five minutes worth what was said and I'm asleep. <laughs> so it really does work wonders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, maybe we should just do that because we both have a hard time falling asleep sometimes. Exactly. Um, well, that's cool. Um, but yeah, we're so happy that you joined us tonight. And we were going to sort of discuss some stuff that Renee and I were talking about. I was going to say on the phone, but I think this was actually a messenger conversation from last night, mostly. <laughs> um, did you want to go ahead and start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. okay, so one of the things that we wanted to talk about since we and that we realized that we've covered so many things, and uh, even though we have, there's a lot of things that are still left to, um, you know, left to be discussed. And I mean, it, it does with sometimes it does repeat itself. But one of the things that we want to talk about is, you know, there are so many questions that we have for the police department, you know, Midlothian Police Department about the case. And obviously we can't, you know, just, hey, call them up. Hey, I have this question for you. Like, they're going to give us the time of day. So we figured we would just kind of go over some of the questions that we know people ask and that we have for them. And, um, you know, just that way it can be, you know, a discussion. Um, maybe y'all can send us uh, your, you know, discussions about these questions on our Facebook, our Instagram, Twitter. I think all I think everybody pretty much has those, but if you don't, it's True Crime Broads on all three platforms, and um, and then we can just kind of discuss them. So I'll, like just, I'll just start out with a few questions, and then maybe if we have any, you know, anything we want to discuss about it, we can. So the first, we just stopped with, but um, we talked about the Nissan Altima, and that was one of the questions: Are we still looking for that Nissan Altima? So that would be a question. And since we just recently talked about that, we don't have to discuss it really. Um, another one was, why was the crime scene cleared so quickly? Wasn't it like seven hours? Yeah, it was. That's what we heard. And yeah. um, we've had, you know, people with law enforcement backgrounds tell us that that troubled them, that that uh, seemed a little soon, especially a mm -hmm. crime of this magnitude, you know, a capital murder case, brutal with the body still present in the building. So, yeah. That seemed a little soon to the experts we spoke to. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, um, I mean, obviously I don't have any experience in anything like that, but just seven hours just tells me, you know, that, I mean, 
I feel like there could have been something missed, you know? I mean, seven hours is just not that long. And I think that, was it um, John Kelly that mentioned that? Mm, it was either him or Joseph Scott Morgan. I don't remember. Maybe they both might have. Right. Um, I think one of them did for sure. It mentioned that, that they, uh, and that was something that they told us, you know, that they said that they felt like that was a really short time, you know, to be mm-hmm. able to clear one scene. So, yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be on my list of questions to ask them if, you know, if, if it were something that we could do. <laughs> right. If we could ever get the attention of maybe some reporters that might be able to get questions to them. I just, like I said before, with us being amateur podcasters, we're not professional journalists. Um, I just don't think that we could get anywhere if we called. I mean, we can't, it's not like we're saying, hi, I'm Crystal with the Dallas Morning News. It's like, hi, I, you know, I have a podcast and I have some questions. I don't know if they'd go for that. Yeah. <laughs> Click. So we, yeah, we just wanted to say these questions out just so, like I said, we could all discuss them or at, maybe at some point, a, um, you know, some journalist um, at some point somewhere might be interested in it. And it's, these are some things that I feel like are, we think, we feel like they're important to, to ask, you know, MPD. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I am interested in knowing is why do you think that the murder wasn't caught on camera? Um, I mean, I just, it's just so mind boggling to me that, uh, they're, they're obviously motion activated and, you know, where it may miss like a few seconds of a person's movement. Cause it's, you know, actually clicking on and, and doesn't catch the first few seconds of something. It's just weird to think that it missed the whole thing. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I don't, that's just one of my questions. I just, and, you know, and especially with it being motion activated and we do have, um, I think there's been enough reported that we know that the struggle took place. So right. that would certainly be more motion than the perpetrator walking around by himself um, yep. when he attacked Missy. And then another thing about it is mm-hmm. we, we, if we can believe our friend who attended um, Creekside at the time and had for many, many years, we heard from insiders that there was one of the glass tables and they're visible in the, in the perp video um, that's been passed around so much um, of the perpetrator walking around in the church just prior to the murder. Um, you can see these tables. They have, they're kind of long, I guess you would call them what a buffet table kind of thing. Like, what do you call those? Not an end table. Cause they're long and skinny. Um, tables. Even yeah, though yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um and there's two of them, but apparently one of them was smashed to pieces, the glass tabletop. And mm-hmm. um, our friend that was a member there said that it was replaced pretty quickly after the murder, but it was indeed apparently broken in the struggle. And that would actually make sense because all of the early reports, well, actually I take it back. Not all the early reports, some of the early reports said that um, there was glass, broken glass around her, but we actually saw that in the Ellis County CSI document where they said that um, the victim's body was surrounded by broken glass. So that might help explain that because we were saying, initially we were saying, how could her body be um, surrounded by broken glass if it's not, because all we knew about was the perp was, you broke a glass to get in and potentially maybe crack some glass messing around before she arrived, but if that's indeed true, when I have attended, I believe him, you know, our friend that told us that, mm-hmm. then that would explain why she was surrounded in glass. But yes, I agree. Um, we just don't really know much about what happened that morning. Um, um, 
Absolutely. I mean, and I do believe, I do believe him saying that. I think that, um, you know, that that's true, but it is interesting. Like you said, with so much uh, motion that something wasn't caught. So I don't. Yeah. Well, and, and, and here's, here's how, that would, how would that mess up with the case? If they, you know what I'm saying? If they told us that. Yeah. And here's another thing. Um, there's a couple things that we've talked about and I kind of want to rehash because it's been so long, but um, you know, remember that, thing that we saw online where someone said that um, Missy was beckoned and this is something that we can't confirm officially but this is supposedly someone who talked to someone who saw the whole video okay so take this with a grain mm-hmm. of salt we try not to gossip on this program but sometimes when we're trying to read the tea leaves sometimes we will take secondhand information and just call it what it is it's secondhand information mm-hmm. but this person had a close friend who saw the entire video um, because they were part of the investigation mm-hmm. and um they said that the perpetrator beckoned said Kamir to Missy when she walked in and lured her toward the um, sanctuary. So if that's the case, um, if the attack originated in the sanctuary, I'm guessing there's no camera surveillance cameras in there. Now, of course there's cameras for filming the, I mean, to film the service, I would assume um, if they do indeed film their services. But um, my understanding is that the surveillance cameras in a building are normally at around the parameter, like they're around the entrances, exits. So Mm -hmm. it is possible that, I mean, here's this question I always had. Is it dumb luck that the attack didn't take place on camera or was the Mm -hmm. perpetrator Mm -hmm. smart enough to know exactly Mm -hmm. where the cameras were and were not and purposely lured her into a position in the church where it would not be caught on camera um i don't know and and that might not have even been a consideration because at that point the perpetrator had been on camera for almost half an hour so you know 28 minutes i believe so who knows if that was even a consideration of the perps but seems like they kind of thought of a lot of things so it might have they might have known exactly what they were doing when they called her over there if that is indeed what happened um, we've heard that from so many places, though, so many different people that yeah, I kind yeah. of tend to believe that that's what happened. But of course, we don't have any confirmation on that, as many things about this case we can't confirm because law enforcement has been so tight lipped. Um, another thing is the search warrants that do talk about uh, the very early search warrants. And I'm not even sure I remember which one because I think it was in two or three of them. But it said something to the effect of you see Missy come in and then um, the attack, um, the perpetrator and Missy are not seen on camera mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've talked about this in the past, just since search warrants, affidavits are sworn documents, um, police officers have, they're sworn when they give those statements. You can't lie. Um, or else if you're caught lying on it, then my understanding is all of the evidence that is obtained in that search warrant gets thrown out. So that's a huge risk to take to lie. Not only I'm sure that the officer would also be reprimanded in some way, but to to lose all the evidence, that's just defeats your whole purpose. So I have a tendency Mm -hmm. to believe just simply because of that fact of it being in the search warrant. um, Mm -hmm. I think more than one, I'll have to go back and review that been a while since we've looked at those early search warrants but i would say that since it's in the search warrant i guess it's true that her attack wasn't 
on camera, but I used to believe it was before I saw that the search warrant really understood that, you know what I mean? I used to always, I was one of the ones early on saying they had to have gotten it on camera, you know? So, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just one of those questions. And if, and if it in fact wasn't, you know, I just am curious why, um, why it wasn't because, you know, like you said, even if it originated in one spot, part of it, ended in another where there definitely should have been cameras that yeah. should have caught it yeah just interesting it really is sure. it is and then you know and i know we've talked about this before the search warrant you know if we really want to pick this apart which of course you and i do because that's what we love doing but um if you really want to pick this apart the search warrant said neither missy nor the perpetrator is seen on camera again but mm-hmm. at that very first press conference the very first one where the mm-hmm. the mpd guys are just sort of passing the mic well when they get mm-hmm. when captain span gets up there he says uh, i think a reporter and this is back when our local reporters were interested in this case yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and one of the reporters said something to the effect of did you see him leaving or something? I don't remember. Did you see the perpetrator leave? Yeah. And Captain Span said, we do have footage of the perpetrator after the murder going down a hall with going down the hallway, presumably, presumably to leave the way they came in. And I'm saying they, because I'm too lazy to say he or she, I don't mean they as in a group. I mean, they, gen- I'm trying right. to keep it gender neutral. Um, so yeah. So is that not true or I don't know. See that exactly. we do have a lot of questions. So, um, yeah. I mean, you know, just like in the beginning when they first started out and they started saying he, and then they said, we're backing away from the statement that the perpetrator is a he, mm-hmm. it could possibly be a she. We're not saying that it's a she, mm-hmm. we're just saying that we don't know which one it is. <laughs> so, I well, mean, and, yeah. and, and I'm certainly not trying to imply that Captain Span was lying. I think he was telling the gospel truth. I, I just think that he was telling the truth as he knew it at that press conference. I certainly don't think he was lying. I just think that it just doesn't jive with what they said in that search warrant. It's possible that, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're human beings. It's possible that the, it was not span. I don't believe that um, had written that affidavit. So it is possible that that police officer might not have been aware of that, um, of the perpetrator being seen going down the hallway, which I kind of find hard to believe. You'd think that they would have all seen all the footage, but but then again, here's something else that's interesting about that very, very first press conference on the day that she died. Um, mm-hmm. Captain Span later admitted that he had not seen the video, that he was basing his information off of a briefing that he had gotten from people, from his officers that did see it. So it's possible that they never brought up the perp leaving again on camera because perhaps that just got jumbled up. I'm sure that was probably about the most hectic day that NPD's ever had in its entire lifetime um you know especially with especially since those guys have been there yeah exactly but i mean that that makes sense that he if he wasn't able to see it it's i find it odd but maybe i mean maybe it was just time he didn't Mm -hmm. you know wasn't able to do it before he had to yeah just hectic yeah that makes sense um you know one of the other questions that i have and, and i know that we have um the geofence warrant, but what information did they obtain from that? I mean, I know that, that they did it. And, I, and obviously we already know, we've talked about it many times that they don't owe us anything. They're not going to go, Hey, let me tell you what we found on there. But I mean, was it successful? And if it wasn't, why is there, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm just and, curious. And that was their most recent search warrant. 
and that was mm-hmm. last summer. So I think it's been right at a year, possibly not quite a year, maybe 10 months ago. Yeah. I think it was probably, wasn't that like early July or June? Maybe it was June. Think, yeah. So we're coming up on a year on that being the last search warrant. And, you know, I had joked with Tim, I said, I feel like, and, and with you too, I said, I feel like probably Andy Vaughn went to a conference about geofencing and he yeah. probably just decided hey, I might as well try this on this case that's got us all stumped, you know, because right. it just sort of seemed to come out of nowhere. Because um, my question would be, why didn't you do this a lot sooner? Um, yeah, but I, I don't think anything came out of it. Because you remember, we got the return warrant on that one, and it just didn't look like anything. And I guess another way we know nothing came of it or nothing important came of it is because there's been no arrest or anything. I guess they were just looking for data in that area, Google data, Um, which is totally different than that tower dump that they had done soon after the murder, that one that NYPD helped with when um, they came to Midlothian to help. So yeah, it's a huge mystery, but I I really don't know why they chose last. Oh, I guess because that's a newer, that's a newer technology. Yeah. yeah, I remember now that's why they didn't do it earlier because it didn't exist in the format that they could use it. So yeah, that's a, we'll have to, post that for people to look through it's kind of confusing and kind of obtuse and remember you and I did kind of a crash google course on what yeah, that even was that. yeah yeah so yeah it just I sa- it sounds like it was a bust I mean if yeah. I had to guess and just from I, mean, look- I just wondered though like if they weren't able to get anything like you know like I mean it's such new it was new technology I guess you could say um just I'm, I'm just curious why it didn't work because it from what I understood, it doesn't even have to be, and I've done forgotten now how it works. It's like a Google. Yeah, they're looking what for is- data. Um, so, like, yeah. if you're, it's something, it's really confusing to me too. But apparently, they could pull, they can see like people's pictures, and they could see um, they were looking for pictures and other Google data that could have been in the area. But here's the thing: I honestly. It just sounds to me, if this was a bust, the cell, to- the cell tower was a bust, I don't think that that perpetrator was dumb enough to bring any technology with him or her. Um, mm-hmm. It just sounds like they just didn't have anything on them. And-, and then again, it could have been a burner phone because remember le- one time that we did talk about the burner phone, mm-hmm. um, it, it does have the capability to be somewhat, I don't really want to call it hidden, but um I, I don't know any other way to say it though. Somewhat hidden. Like undetectable. Because, yeah. Because it's not, um, I, I think some of them don't even require your, you know, you to put your, you know, like you got to put your name and your, you know, information that matches it. You don't even have to do that. So I'm wondering if that's one of the things that mm-hmm. kept them from being able to, you know, find it. Yeah. That's possible if they, I mean, cause I would think that if you were going to go, in the middle of the night to go murder someone um you know to perform some kind of a heinous crime you don't want it to be traced back to you i would think if you're smart you would leave your you would leave your cell phone on your nightstand next to your bed to make it look like you were asleep if they when they trace the cell phone pings um Mm -hmm. and i would assume that the perpetrator either left without the cell phone or they like you said they might have had a burner phone you know there was early rumors quite a few of them about the perpetrator having a burner phone on them. And we never really figured out where that originated from. Um, it could have been from law enforcement. Um, we just don't right. know. But there was early rumors of burner phones. So maybe that's, I remember Nancy Grace even talked about it on her 
program. Um, I just don't, we never did find out who started that. So that's an interesting idea. The burner phone for sure. Yep. And you know, this one, this, this question ties uh, right into what we were just talking about. Is Andy Vaughn still in charge of the Missy Beavers case? Mm-hmm. You know, we just wonder because um, that w- the last time we heard there was a fresh set of eyes working the case mm-hmm. and, um, and then of course that's pretty much what the last thing we've heard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I haven't um, heard a peep. We have not heard a peep about who's in charge of what. And he, they just, they really just completely gave up on for whatever reason, updating the public on anything. It seems like they were still trying there for a while. And when Andy Vaughn, of course we know he's not new to the case, but he was new to being head of the case when they released that and called him a, called him and his new team a fresh set of eyes. But that was probably the last time they were the least bit candid with us about what was going on with the investigation. That's about the right. last piece of information. You know, that's the last thing they really said to the public. One of the last things, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, we heard um, early on that Midlothian um, Texas Rangers had come in to assist in the case and something happened and they were asked to leave. I wonder if it's something where they can still assist with the case, you know? Yeah, because we did hear rumors and then we kind of got it confirmed from people who were closer to the case. So I kind of tend to believe it now. But if they were indeed asked to leave or not work on the case, that's a really good question. Um, I was talking to my husband about that and his opinion was they would probably just say, I don't want to touch it. I mean, this thing's been going on for four years. At this point, no one wants to put their name on it, you know, unless they think they can solve it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, You know, a lot of people we've talked to over the years think that if the, if this case would have been turned over to the attorney general's office, instead of left it in PD's hands, that it might've been solved by now. Um, that's an interesting concept, but of course we don't know the answer to that question either, but you know, I, um, I think in the, in the beginning uh, of our podcast, we talked about several, well, many times we talked about the reasons why the has, this hasn't been solved and, you know, things like that. And one of the things that I, I know I mentioned this several times, um, why haven't they went through other sources to get assistance? And then I, I know I corrected that at one point because I did find where they had listed about five or six different agencies that were mm-hmm. that had assisted them. I mean, they recreated mm-hmm. the crime scene. Um, mm-hmm. They went and visited um, a, a group in Austin. They they had Arlington. Uh, what was the group in Arlington? I forgot what that one was that helped them. There's- oh, I just thought it was Arlington PD. I don't know. I was thinking there was something specific that they helped them do. But anyway, there were so many agencies that helped them. That is just, that just makes you really isn't that, isn't that mind-boggling because then you know it's like, easy oh my gosh. yeah it's easy to point your finger at mpd and be like you guys you know are too small of a department for this it's not that they're dumb or anything i'm sure they're no. fantastic and good at what they do but you know if you haven't if you haven't had a, a complicated murder case like ever you know then right. maybe you need help but yeah the fbi had assist i don't know to what extent they're assisting now but they had assisted and we had that state-of-the-art lab in tarrant county um, that's what I was referring to. That's what it was. Oh yeah. The Tarrant County yeah. DA's office yeah. has that state of the art, um, that, that was working on the video, um, the actual part video. Right. Um, 
but yeah, there's been so many different and NYPD was helping out with the cell tower dump and Dallas PD and Fort Worth PD apparently assisted from what I've read. So there's not been any shortage of help. Um, and didn't Arlington PD help? I don't remember what they did though. I don't remember um, either, but they did. I remember reading that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just think this is a baffling case, obviously. And, and also there's a lot of, this is speculation again, but there's been speculation from, I think Chris Gates even mentioned this when he was our, he was our last guest a couple episodes ago. Um, he is a law, law enforcement officer and works in um, evidence. He was saying that, you know, a lot of times um, there will be mistakes made at the crime scene, you know, evidence maybe gets missed or not collected properly. And that's just because they're, they're human beings. And another thing in this case is they're not used to doing this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. When is the last time that they really had to go swab a crime scene for DNA? When's the last time, you know, they had to remember to check footprints and I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's really interesting. So many people have mentioned footprints cause it was pouring down rain. Um, you would think that even if the perp pulled up under, you know, some really close to the church on the opposite side that Missy came in, I would think they would still at least get a little wet, but maybe not, I guess if you pull it close enough, but you would still think there'd be some kind of footprints and, you know, MPD has never mentioned footprints. Right. If, unless I missed, uh, have you heard I, them talk about it? I have it? it. And that's been one of my, one of my questions that I've, I probably have asked a thousand times. How did the perp get in there and they're not, there's nothing on them that's wet. Their shoes aren't wet. Their clothes aren't wet. Nothing is wet. There's nothing wet on them. You can, to me, you could tell, you know, you know, I'm sure you could tell and they're mm-hmm. not. So it just makes you believe or think in my mind that they had to have changed clothes in a spot that wasn't obviously seen on camera because obviously they can't see the person or they would have knew who did it. Uh, there, there had to be something like that happen, but it's just like mind boggling to me as to where that would have been, you know? Yeah. I just, um, it's so many mind boggling things about this case. Um, so yeah, they, um, I, and, and, and footprints don't, it doesn't have to be wet outside or wet for there to be footprints. I mean, a lot of times they'll dust for footprints, right? Am I, oh, yeah. I mean, in, in murder cases. So we just have not heard one peep about footprints. And I would think on that tile, there would be an opportunity for a print at somewhere. Mm-hmm. And especially after the murder, I hate to say this, I hope no one in Missy's circle is listening, but you know that there would have been a lot of blood yes. and, and there would have been a struggle. So how did the perpetrator not leave a bloody footprint? Yeah. You know, you think about the, you think about the OJ trial and footprints and uh, lots of lots of cases where there was footprints and especially when there's blood so it's really interesting that that this person has gotten away with this for over four years mm-hmm. that's unbelievable when we all met and started talking about this three four years ago i would have never thought we would still be just as baffled probably more baffled today than we were then right we um, thought it was going to be and still talking you know, we about thought this. that it was going to be every time they talked about you know they're going to talk about the case tonight at five o'clock on channel five or whatever we we just knew okay this is it they're going to tell us they caught them you know and yeah. every after so many of those at some point we were like okay well nobody's arrested anybody nothing's happened um, so yeah, it was very mm-hmm. frustrating, but what you, something you just mentioned, um, went, goes straight into another question I had about, um, the perpetrator and the footprints and so forth. Did the perp in fact mm-hmm. clean up in the kitchen area of the church? Cause we had heard that at one point, um, that the, the perpetrator had cleaned up, which I mean, makes sense 
because of, you know, what you just mentioned. So, I mean, I just, that'd just be a question that I would love to have answered, you know? Yeah. Good question. But, you know, apparently the perpetrator broke into the kitchen Mm -hmm. and that door. And so they said they believe the perp left the way the perp came in. So if that's the case, they would have passed through the kitchen on the way out. And that would have been too late to clean up, right? Because they would have already traipsed through the church and that's their exit. So yeah, it's confusing. Um, And I'm not sure where the perp cleaning up came from. Do you remember? I don't remember, but in my mind, it would be just to not take any of the evidence with them. Not necessarily, you know, like, Mm, you know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking that's just the way I'm thinking is that they want to clean up before Mm -hmm. they have to go out and get in their vehicle and leave so that there's not any evidence uh, that they take with them, which is typically impossible, but I just see that as being the reason they were trying to clean up. Well, and you know, I saw a forensic files. You and I've talked about this. I saw a forensic files years ago where somebody got busted for a murder that had taken place like 13, 14, 15 years before. Mm-hmm. And they found the tiniest, tiniest little droplet of blood underneath like the seat of a car mm-hmm. that the guy, the murderer drove years ago. They found it like in a junkyard. I'm not kidding. Like there had been somebody else that owned it after him. And it ended up like in a junkyard. The police confiscated it. They traced where it was and they luminaled it, I guess. And they found a little droplet of blood that this guy had apparently thought he had cleaned it up really good and cleaned it up really well. And they found this drop of blood like underneath lodged. That's amazing to me. And I guess that's why it became an episode on, you know, that's why it got to be on forensic files. But yeah, I'm like you, I'm trying to imagine this perpetrator walking out of the church probably covered I mean you know when we had Joseph Scott Morgan on he was just saying that based on what he's seen that this perpetrator would have to have been dripping in blood so if that's the case and they're walking out and they get in their car you know men if it's a man or even if it's a woman but I'm just saying that I know my husband has a tendency to plan not murders obviously but he has a tendency to plan if he knows something's going to be messy he'll like put plastic covers over the car car seats I mean he really like people who think about those things really know how, I mean, I wonder if maybe the perpetrator didn't have like those plastic covers all over the seats you know and all over the floorboards. It's possible to cover it enough to know, like you said, on that forensic files that you had watched mm-hmm. one little tiny mm-hmm. dot. I mean, just a slinging of your arm to pull out the door to shut it. Anything like yeah. that can cause a little drop to go anywhere. Yeah. You don't even know it's there. You know? yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's, just, that's baffling it is it is baffling but it's just another strange thing that of course i mean i guess if the perpetrator because you know i remember at one point and i again this is i don't know this person i just remember it you may remember it too somebody was saying that they were trying to get a hold of midlothian police department to tell them about a person that brought a car in to have it completely clean from top to bottom do you remember that hmm. i do not it was that's time. interesting yeah it was a long time ago and I, I obviously nothing ever came of it because i'm pretty sure they got a hold of somebody because they posted it on facebook and i actually seen the post don't know the person don't even remember who the person was but anyway just you know since we were talking about you know cars mm-hmm. all that and i think that also ties into that uh hln episode crime lies and video mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. um they were talking about blood spatter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean i found that interesting and i thought that that was um 
Oh, what am I trying to say? Um, you know, because they mentioned it. It was significant. That's what I was trying to say. It was significant because they mentioned it on there about talking about the, you know, where the person or the perpetrator is at in reference to Missy and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. And, and maybe even how they can even tell things like how tall they are just from yeah. the back they go with their arms and, you know, things like that. Yeah. That and how they came down. Yeah. Like how far it went back and came back down. Yeah. That was interesting. Um, hanging. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they left us hanging. I just really wonder, I was talking to somebody about the case today, believe it or not. And I was just saying that, I know I was just saying that, you know, and this is, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer and as a podcast co-host on the topic, I probably shouldn't say this, but it just really hit me today that I'm losing hope in this case. Um, I just, it's been four years and I, I don't get the vibe now. I would love to be wrong. But I don't get the vibe that MPD is any closer to making an arrest today than they were a year ago or the year before. I just feel like it's just been four years and they're stalled. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I would love nothing. You know, we have one of our buddies that's one of our um, our listeners that became our friend after he um, said he was a listener. And he was saying that, you know, he felt strongly when the Golden State Killer was about to get mm-hmm. arrested and he said he was starting to kind of get that vibe about the Missy Beavers case. I sure hope he's right because he said with the Golden State Killer, he had been he had been kind of following mm-hmm. that case, you know, mm-hmm. and through uh, Michelle McNamara's book and, you know, called I'll Be There in the Dark. Oh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. That's mm-hmm. what it's called. And he was really into that case. And then, you know, he just woke up one morning and there was an arrest. And I just cannot wait for the day that happens on this case. Oh um, I'm trying... I'm trying not to lose hope. <laughs> I'm trying to stay. I, I'm like you, you know, it's hard. Uh, but, you know, one of the reasons, I mean, we don't do this podcast because we're bored. I'm sure people have, have probably learned a little bit about us. I know we don't talk a whole lot about ourselves, but, you know, they probably have learned that me and you, and I think I can say this for me and you both, that we lead very busy lives. We're just the type of people that we're just nonstop all the time. And that's just the way. I know that's mm-hmm. the way I am. And I think that's the way that you are as well. Mm-hmm. And we just been busy. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, full-time jobs, we have families, you know, things like that. And um, so we don't do this because we're like, you know, I've had nothing else to do today. Let's do this. We do this because we, you mm-hmm. know, missing these an advocate, someone who's, you know, they're pushing for answers. And I'm not saying that there aren't thousands of people that care about her and love her and want answers. Cause there are, there really are, but we just decided to be that voice. We decided to be the voice um, or to be another voice for her, hoping, you know, to make a little difference and looking for um, a reporter somewhere that would actually do this stuff. And one of the things that John Kelly said that I I found, I believe it was John Kelly. It might have been Joseph Scott Morgan now that I think of it. But anyway, one of the things that he said that I found interesting, and I think you asked him the question, if I'm not mistaken, it was about... um, Oh gosh, it just went right off my head. I was on a roll and it just poof, it's gone. Um, um there was a question that I asked and it was a question that you um, asked and it was about um finding or or what happens when you know they just stop like how do they just not not able to figure out who did this and whatever and he said like like how do you know when it's cold like I think so but the 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 answer that I remember the answer more than I remember the question the answer that he said was that he feels like that police just become lazy 
And, and at mm. first, I'm sure maybe you were like me, you're kind of like, what? But then when he explained it, it made perfect sense. He said that a lot of times they depend on technology to solve it. Ah, because yes. they think that oh there we have dna we have all this geofencing we have yes. the tower dump we have this, so it's just going to be easy and he said that he thinks that they need to just literally start over and that's one of the things that i've been screaming this whole time because i've seen so many episodes of all these shows that we watch true crime and everything you know and a lot of these are true stories or not just you know like MacGyver type shows or whatever and they yeah. literally go in and they start over just like Kelly Spiegler on that cold case squad or whatever it's yeah. called um they literally start over they start over and they start they they talk to all the friends and the family and you know Missy was a uh, substitute teacher in the spring of 2014 and I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about that I mean you never know somebody from from then may had some information that might you know, I don't know. I'm just saying, I know that was two years before, but you never know. They may have a little piece of information that might help, or maybe they're still friends and they talk or something. I don't know, but I'm just saying, I just wonder. And, and, you know, you talk about going back and starting over. One thing that they can't do over is the crime scene processing. So whatever went on at the very beginning, that part can't be a redo, unfortunately. So if there were mistakes made, I mean, we've heard rumors that mistakes were made, but we don't know that. Um, This could just be an extremely difficult case to um, prosecute. And that's why they're holding off on an arrest or they could just have no idea who it is. Um, But yeah, I, I, I'm sure I mean, they I have pictures, though, maybe... don't you, wouldn't you think? At least they would have that, you know, to yeah. reference. Oh, like crime mm-hmm. scene photos? Yeah. I just um, I just wonder if maybe they, you know, by opening it up too soon or perhaps they had too many people walking around the crime scene at the beginning. You know, you hear these things about other cases. I haven't heard any specifics about this case, about anything being messed up. I'm just speculating right. here. Um, have you have you heard of anything in particular that could have been messed I up? I haven't. Here? I mean, we just have numer- heard uh, many times about rumors. yeah rumors about it being processed too quickly and they probably missed something but like we don't have any definite you know proof of that anything no. so it's just been things that people have speculated on we hope that that's not right. the case but you know it's just like I was saying we we need to push for answers and so one of the things that we wanted to say on this on this uh, episode is who what reporter is capable of taking on the police department and pushing for answers what 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 reporter out here, journalist, um, is able to, you know, get in front of the police department and ask these questions that need to be asked so that we can, you know, get the, keep this case, you know, open. It's not a cold case. I mean, that's. And I wonder, I wonder why did our reporters just lay down? Um, they've just they they have just lied down. I mean. There hasn't been anyone pushing for answers. They pretty much just dropped this case. Um, And, you know, we've seen people who claim to be investigative reporters and then they didn't ask questions. Um, We had a couple of good press conferences at the very beginning. We're talking four years ago where they were asking some pretty interesting questions, but it's just like their interest, the local media's interest just petered out. I mean, Richard Ray started out in the beginning and he uh, retired, I think it was in 2015 and um, there was a couple of more that I that I had looked at, and I, they don't even work for the same, um, you know, news station anymore. Um, but I mean, there's been several that um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, I guess we're just basically like 
at their mercy. We're just wanting to know who out there, you know, is willing to do what it takes, ask the questions and, you know, to, to keep this thing alive, man. We just, we don't want it to just become a cold case and then it's just the end of it. And we're, we basically have asked all the questions and you know what I'm saying until we're blue in the face. And at some point we're just like, well, you know, what else can we do? You know? And we don't want that to happen. No, we do not. And, um, there's just so many questions about this case and they don't have to tell us everything, but I do believe police needs to tell us something. We talked about that on the last podcast. There's a danger level, Uh, There's a very, very legitimate concern about public safety. And um, there's also the legitimate question of, you told us to look for this particular car, the Nissan Altima. Are we supposed to still be calling in tips on that and spending our time seeing those around town? Especially those of you that live close to the church. I mean, are you still supposed to be scanning for those cars? They've never told us to stop. Right. Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, that brings me to another question that I have. And I guess this isn't really for the police department per se. I mean, I guess it could be. But, I mean, I'm. what do you think? It's What do you think is one of the most common reasons that, you know, a resident, civilians, whatever, hesitate to call in tips? Reasons why I think they hesitate? Yeah. Um, probably a fear of speaking to the police and getting involved. Because, you know, you hear these stories about, um people who are just afraid they're afraid that they're gonna have to have their home searched and their their computers searched and stuff if they just call in a tip and that's not true i just don't want anyone to be afraid to um call in a tip i mean if you think you've observed something heard something suspect something you know the worst thing that could happen is they'll just say oh no we've already checked that out it's not that or thank you for the tip we'll look into it you know Pretty, from what I understand, we've talked to a couple of people, several people who have called in tips, and it was a pretty painless experience. Mm-hmm. In fact, they felt like they didn't get enough follow up. It wasn't that the police were all up in their business, mm-hmm. it was the opposite. They just felt like they wanted to hear an update right. and they never heard back. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think you're exactly right on that. I think that's one of the things, and, and I, you know, and I'm what you said is exactly right. Um, I think that a lot of where it's, you know, from the police department really does help, which again is another reason why I think they should continue to at least do their once a year follow up. I mean, my goodness. And I understand we have all this COVID-19 stuff going on, but I still think in my mind, they could have made, you know, taken a couple hours to uh, update us or tell us that they don't have an update something. I mean, you know, just so we're not left because it kind of gives the impression that, and, and I don't think this, this is the case, but it gives people the impression that it's just, it's a cold case and it's just been swept under the rug and it's not important anymore, you know? Yeah, like we just don't have quite as many investigators working on this anymore. It's winding down. Yeah, that is definitely the way it kind of yeah, seems. Yeah, so that, that's, that's and... a frustrating feeling, I know. But, you know, every time that's come up, though, and I cannot remember now where we heard this, but... MPD was pretty defensive when that came up. I say recently, it's probably been a year, year and a half ago. They said, oh no, this is not a cold case. This is an active case. We have full-time, remember we have full-time investigator working on this case at all times. I don't remember when they said that. It's probably been at least a year and a half ago. But, you know, that was the last time they, that was the last thing they said about the state of the case. It's not cold. Um, 
But with them not talking about it anymore, it's tempting to think it is. And they probably don't care. They're, I'm sure MPD is perfectly yeah. happy with the public thinking it's cold and hoping we'll just right. move on. But, but I mean, but, it doesn't keep pe- um, it doesn't keep it in people's fresh in people's minds thinking, you know, that it's just because people forget about it, you know, and a lot of times you see yep. things on uh, social media and people will be like, oh, my gosh, I thought that case was solved and over with and done. With. You had no idea yeah. that thing's not solved. Wow. You know, people are just shocked right. and, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, because we know we've been discussing it for four years and we're thinking, Lord, no, uh-huh. you know, solved. We're over here. Trying to oh, yeah. I've I've told people about the podcast and they said that's not solved yet. I remember that case. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. So, you know, that I don't know, that just blows my mind. But um, yeah. And and maybe MPD wants us just to move on and then they can surprise us with an arrest. But, you know. It, but, you know, another point that you made is you, we, we have to keep this. I would think that MPD would want to keep it fresh in the public's yep. mind so that if someone sees or hears something, how would you even know you had a tip if you forgot all exactly. about the murder? Yep. Like if you see something and you're like, that kind of walks like the guy from the Missy Beaver or the woman or man from the Missy Beaver's case and they have the same car and, and, and they're spouse or their cousin said that they were missing that night maybe i should call it in and then they tell themselves well no i'm not going to bother i think that was solved well yeah i mean it needs to be in the public eye um so yeah that's a good point we're just we're hoping we can contribute to keeping it out there but we really need the police and we need our local journalists um to step up to the plate and really help us out here because we can't do this alone we're not quite we don't yeah, have the we credentials have no you know they're they're gonna look at us and go you uh, mean nothing to us we're not gonna tell you anything and we get it we we don't think that we're anything or anyone special we just like i said before we just want to be an advocate for missy and, and and a voice uh to hopefully lead to you know some local journalist um you know doing something and 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 talking to the to the police to get some answers because that's the only way this is going to happen i mean are they going to start over are they going to start you know um investigating again talking to friends and family neighbors coworkers, whatever um or are they just looking for that one piece of information which they've said um and we're still hoping that somebody will come forward with that information i mean we've heard that too so Mm -hmm. that's another but i mean what kind of message are we sending when a person can go inside of a church and be caught on surveillance camera and murder someone. I mean, you know, it's just. It pretty much it means anything exactly. goes, you know, so exactly. pretty scary. It's really scary to think about it. It's the stuff that horror movies are made of. I mean, just walking in a dark place alone and being attacked by some crazy person dressed like that in the middle of the night and the pitch dark alone in the rain. I mean, I can't really, I honestly can't think of anything more terrifying than that. And it makes me sick every time I think of what Missy's last moments on earth were like. And I think that's what helps drive us. It really is because, you know, we're both, um, you know, we're, we're always out about doing things and we can only uh, slightly imagine that horror. And and that's enough for us to be like, uh, -uh, you know, something's, something's got to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, this person can't just continue to walk around like nothing happened and not pay for what they've done to her, you know? 
Right. So that's just, I mean, like I said, I think they need to start over, um, you know, plead to the public, push for answers and and release more information, even if it's just a little something, you know, and that's another thing that I wanted to touch on is that you see some of these cases and that haven't been solved in, um, a lot of times the police department will come out and they will, you know, just release one little thing. And mm-hmm. it, 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 number one, it gets everything going again because people are like, Oh, okay. And then people start talking about it again, you know, and it kind of perks back up, you know, keeping mm-hmm. it fresh in people's mm-hmm. minds, but not to me, just not saying anything. I mean, that you might as well just put case closed on it, you know? That's, yeah that's basically what you're saying so, by not saying anything so mm-hmm. and it, it really is time it's way past time for them to give the public an update it's it i don't think they realize that it makes it look like they're lost but that is the feedback that we're getting from some of our listeners is that they just think that mpd doesn't have any idea who right. did this and because I think a lot of us have a tendency to think, well, they probably know who did it. They just don't have enough to bring this person to trial. It's a very serious, it's about the most serious charge that there is, yep. is capital murder. So, but, you know, the way it looks to a lot of people in the general public is they just don't have a clue. And I would think that that alone would make NPD want to step up and give an update, yeah. you know, just to say that we're, you know, working on tips and um it's just interesting why they tend to make it sound like they don't know anything when they come and talk to the public um you know even one of their last times that they spoke to us they said that they were still split on whether it's male or female that just if that's true that just is very discouraging um if they don't even have the gender down that means that means all bets are off. It could literally be anyone. So I really hope that that's not true. Yeah, maybe um, they really were just know. talking about the you know throughout the department, not the actual people working on the case. You know, I don't know. Maybe I have no idea. But yeah, it's uh, you. You wild. mentioned just something just then about uh, the capital murder case, and that is another uh-huh. one of my questions. Why is Missy's case not listed as capital murder on the documents that? Um, that we have warrants and um, uh, crime scene investigation, all the other different documents we have, the capital, the word capital has been marked out. And I don't, I can't, I can't think of any reason why they would have taken, I mean, I don't know. Can you think of any reason? Unless, I mean, there is all kinds of stuff redacted from the, the things that, you know, we've gotten and because, um, you know, we've talked about it before. Anyone, any citizen can do an open records request, right. but the entity that is giving you the records has the right to redact things that could hurt the case. So that literally means they take a Sharpie and mark it out. That's just what it looks right. like. It looks like a black marker. Yeah. Right. And for them to mark out capital and we can see it says capital under there that. It's just really strange. I guess they don't want the perpetrator to know that they're going to be um, prosecuted for capital murder, but that doesn't really make sense to me um, unless they just feel like they don't want to play their their hand. But if you and I could figure out it says capital under there, yeah, couldn't anyone? anyone? Could. And that it, is really, yeah, that's really strange. It's not like they, I mean, this is just what I've seen. It's not like they redacted it. It's like they was like, oh no, that's not correct. That's kind of the way. It was kind of oh. scribbled. 
Because like you said, we could tell mm. it said capital under there. So I just thought to myself, now why would they, I mean. Yeah, if that's not redacted, if it's simply scribbled, I have no idea. Yeah, I would think this would be a capital yeah. murder case if anything yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, all it, all, it, all it takes to be capital, just one of the simplest things is, um, you know, a, a felony on top of a, you know, murder coupled with another felony. Mm-hmm. I mean, or pre-planning, any of yeah. this. There's so many different, and there, yeah. there's several options got, there. So that's why I'm like, hmm? yeah, we've got this person lying. Yeah, in exactly. Um, impersonating a police officer. Um, all crazy. kinds of crazy stuff I mean, going on. In a, in addition to the horrific murder itself, um, that lying in wait right there is enough to show all kinds of premeditation. This definitely wasn't like a crime of passion. Like you walk in. And you like you know you see your husband with another woman and you murder them both. I mean that's that wasn't that the Betty Broderick case from many years ago? Um, but yeah, you know people were arguing that that was a crime of passion or sudden uh, mm-hmm. sudden passion. But you can't say that any nothing like that in this case because they're literally lying in wait. They're waiting for her to arrive. They're just kind of <laughs> walking around killing time. Now of course we had a listener call us out for not. Um, for not you know entertaining that this could be a random attack we keep saying lying in wait because you and i both firmly believe that that person was there waiting for missy specifically to arrive um but there is a small faction of the people that follow this case that we're aware of that thinks that it's possible that it was untargeted um you know and other people we've heard that in the news as well remember the even the cops were saying we don't know if it was targeted or untargeted her own husband was saying that that very first day i could imagine how hectic and confusing it was but he said i didn't even think about it being targeted until that reporter asked the police that and that would have been later that morning so i guess we need to entertain that it could be untargeted um but you know that's when i say lying in wait that's just my personal belief that that perpetrator was waiting for Missy to get there. And I know that's your right. belief too. We've talked a lot about it. Um, you know, it's funny that you bring that up, um, you know, cause I know that we had talked about on a, another episode about uh, cosplay and um, yeah. there was an interesting, um, and I've never heard this, maybe it's just me, but I've never heard this word before, but they said they didn't believe the person was cosplaying or LARPing. And I thought, what is LARPing? Yes, I've LARPing. never heard this, so I looked <laughs> it up, and it's live action role playing. Never heard of them, oh, but anyway, they yeah. they even made a point to say they didn't even think it was LARPing because the person wasn't doing, um, you know, because obviously the person is dressed like a SWAT officer, police officer, whatever, and um, they aren't doing things like a SWAT officer would do, like you know, walking around with their gun with their uh, hand underneath uh, their, you know what I'm saying, like gripped, you know how they they grip the gun Uh, and then the flashlight with it at the same time and they're walking around, you know, pointing it to make sure that this room's clear, this room's clear, whatever. They're not doing any of those things, so they're obviously not role-playing that type of thing. And, you know, another thing that that I found uh, interesting is that if a a SWAT if a, a SWAT officer I don't think, and I might be wrong about this, but I guess if somebody knows, they can tell us. Don't police officers have police on their uh, uniform and SWAT has SWAT? 
Huh. It might vary. It might vary by department, but that's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. And also there are tactical, there there are officers that have tactical training that aren't necessarily SWAT per se. So this could be someone who had some tactical, if it's an ex-cop, of course, this is taking a leap and saying that this was an ex-cop. But if the perpetrator is ex-law enforcement, then they could have had that stuff because they were, had some tactical training that wasn't necessarily SWAT. But um, we'll have to look into that some more. But yeah, I don't know the answer to your question. Um, But yeah, that's, who knows? I mean, there are so many things we don't know. And it's hard for me to believe that um, law enforcement doesn't know the answers to a lot of these questions i think they know um pretty much i think they've identified what the perpetrator's Mm -hmm. wearing probably i mean they you we see videos that are grainier than this where those state-of-the-art um labs are able to um you know decipher what items are um so i'm gonna just say that i bet that they probably have a handle on what the perpetrator's wearing and perhaps where it came from and at least part of it. And I bet that they know the gender and the height much more specifically than the, especially that long height range they gave. It was right. five inches. I always thought that was wacko, but yeah, I always thought that was wacky, but um, I think that they probably do have information that they just have not released. I mean, I think, gosh, I hope they do because some of the people we know that have been following this case along with us, there's a couple of them that think they're yeah. just lost, but I don't believe that that many entities could be working diligently on this case for four years and them just not have right. any idea. No, what's I agree going with on. you. There's, there's so many, like I, you know, said before, I thought that, you know, why are they not using all of these, utilizing all of these different resources that they have? And then I find out that they have utilized these resources. And so I, you know, made a correction. I was incorrect and they had utilized them. So I think like you're saying um, is that they, you know, went to these different um, organizations and, and, and so forth. And some of these organizations are made up of retired investigators, FBI, you know, things like that. And, and they all get together and they get all the information that they have and then they go over the case and then they give them like um, different things like this is something that we, you need to do and, you know, you know, suggestions and things like that. So I, I have a hard time believing mm-hmm. that they went to all these different places too and didn't something didn't come out of it. So it's you know more than likely just mm-hmm. to preserve the, the case and you know so that they have one. Mm-hmm. Um but uh I, I think that they do have some things. I, I don't think that they're just completely lost. I mean I, I get it that they have to keep something secret to, you know, make sure that they're able to, you know, yeah. prosecute the person. And, and, and the burden of proof is just hyper intense. It's going to be once an arrest is made, this is going to be an extremely high profile case, especially here locally. And the burden of proof is huge. I mean, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. And on a capital case, the jury is going to be looking for, you know, ways to say not guilty because that's such a serious charge with, the most serious um, punishment. So they know they have to be careful and they can only do this once and they don't want to be the bumbling um, department that messed it up. And the DA doesn't, you know, the DA has managed to completely distance himself from this case. He has never spoken out Mm -hmm. on it one time. Um, It's that's pretty baffling to me as well. That's pretty mind boggling. There's been no, you know, I, uh, 
I know this is a movie, but it's based on a true story. But of course, uh, Matthew McConaughey's portrayal, I'm sure, is quite fictitious. But that movie called Bernie about the murder out in East Texas. I don't know if you've seen it. It was Jack Black played the title role. And it was about a murder trial. And um, Matthew McConaughey played the DA um, from that town Mm -hmm. out in East Texas. And he basically took every chance he could to get on TV and say, Mm -hmm. we're coming to get you, you know, Mm -hmm. you better look out. And I really kind of like that approach. You know, (laughs) I think that, I mean, I can't say, I don't have any statistics or data on whether or not that works or not, but I like the way, and we saw that it wasn't the DA, but it was, it was the police officers and the Delphi murder, you know, they've talked directly to the perpetrator and the press conferences. I mean, I mean, I like that. I like that they seem like they're targeting. They're very, yeah, they're willing to give up more. You know, they had video or, um, excuse me, audio uh, that the one of the girls um, had taken, and and I think she Snapchatted it. um, And they had that information Mm -hmm. and didn't release it in the beginning. And then they released it, and it was just that much, you know, Mm -hmm. that one more piece of the puzzle to help people. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that they're looking for the public to solve the case, but it's one more piece of information that could help because now they have someone that's called mm-hmm. in. I believe, I think this is the case. Is is this the one? I'm, I hope I'm not getting them confused. Where someone called in and said, "I think that my grandson is the one that may have," or is that a different one? I'm sorry if I got. I'm not sure. It, no, it could be. Right after I started, a lot. Saying, yeah, I know. Right after I started saying it, I thought, "Oh my gosh, is this a different case?" But. Um, no, there's been a lot that's gone on yeah. the Delphi case, so that wouldn't surprise me, but I can't tell you, I can't confirm that. But here's the thing on the Delphi case, after they initially gave a, a sketch that looked kind of like a mm-hmm. middle-aged person, and then more recently they released a sketch of the same perpetrator, but he looks like he's like 23 yeah. years old. So that's been very interesting yeah. in that case. So I agree with you. It, you know, updating information to the public is extremely important, especially here's what gets me. And I think it gets you too. MPD said this case is going to have to be solved. Mm-hmm. They believe it's going to be solved by the public giving a, yes. giving a tip. Okay. So you're not going to even talk to the public. You're depending on us yes. to solve it. And we're, we, we know nothing. So we're just running around looking for, 2010 to 2012 Nissan Altimas and maybe now a Infinity G60 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they never did circle back and tell us about the small dark SUV, which apparently they think is the perpetrator. Why was it used as probable cause in that search warrant? So we need more information. We don't even know what we're looking for anymore. Um, so another, yeah, it's that was definitely an another one of my questions was why did, why weren't they why, why weren't we told about the dark SUV, and then this one is why can't or why haven't they used enhancement technology to see the license plate on the car? You know, yeah, I assume mm-hmm. they have. I mean, it was dark, it was raining, but like we were saying earlier, even the grainiest videos, those that technology can usually make things out that the naked eye can't that's why it exists so yeah i mean why can't they figure out who the heck was driving it and i guess if the if it ends up being that the nissan Altima is somehow involved i guess that person would have had enough foresight to maybe mess with the plates because they know i mean here's the thing everyone knows that gun stores have the best cameras and the most cameras of any other Mm -hmm. place in the world i mean they're about the most 
I mean, aside from law enforcement entities, I would think a gun store has about got the best security. So that whoever was in that Nissan Altima, if that car is involved, they darn well knew they were rolling up on tons of cameras. So, you know, I would think that maybe the license. Well, you know, one thing that I can say is that uh, most guys would know that uh, gun stores would have really good surveillance, but females might not. Mm hmm. It's just a thought, you know. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I knew, but I would hope other females yeah. would know that. That just seems like common knowledge, but who knows? Um, but yeah, that, that just another mystery of this yep. this case. Um, the yep. Nissan Valtima. Yeah, way more questions than answers. And um, and you know, since NPD has stated that they are going, they're relying. They think that this is going to be. Um, solved by a tip from the public i really don't understand why they're ignoring the public yeah refreshing people's memory uh, our minds on how to call in a tip uh letting them know that they can do it anonymously um i think you can even text a tip um i think the facebook page uh has it now i don't know how you could be anonymous on there unless you had a facebook page but you know there's several different ways to uh, call in a tip anonymously Crime Stoppers. I mean, there's all kinds of, but I mean, they're not even telling us that. So you're. That's what I was going to say. It's NPD's job to update us and all that. No one's walking around with all these phone numbers memorized. And one of our listeners even told us that one of the numbers that we gave out from an earlier report was actually not an active phone number anymore. So, cause they t- tried to call in a tip. So it's, or tried to call in a suggestion that they use a certain expert. That's what it was, not a tip. But the thing is, is if we, I mean, how do they expect people to call in the tip that's going to solve this thing if you don't even remind us how the heck to get a hold of them, you know? I guess they're depending on us to look up MPD in the, you know, on the internet and call, but, you know, not everyone, like you said, is going to be comfortable with that. If you want to be anonymous, they need to reiterate i wouldn't even i would not know right now and you and i have been students of this case for four years i couldn't tell you right now how to call in an anonymous tip right. i just don't remember i don't either that's one thing I, I know in the beginning we said it several times but you know i guess without being able to have it in front of us and saying it like they would be doing then we don't know you know i know i mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty amazing i absolutely don't i'm actually trying to look it up and, you know, we talk to law enforcement officers, current and ex, that say, well, the current ones are outside of the jurisdiction, of course, of the case. We're not talking to anyone at MVC, I wish. <laughs> but, you know, the current cop we've talked to and then all these ex-cops we've talked to, nobody can really explain why MPD is being so quiet. No one really understands that. And it kind of makes me feel better, like I'm not crazy, when I hear that from an ex-investigator or an ex-police officer because I think, okay, well, then... Well, you know, it must not just be us right. if they think it's strange too. No, absolutely. Yeah. And we've heard that several times. People don't know. I'm actually looking how to um, anonymously report a tip. And it says visit a police website. They provide a link on their webpage that allows you to email, which email can be traced. I really don't understand mm. that. But, but I know yeah, you have a, a police hotline, but it's still, it's, to me, it's still feels like you could but i don't know i don't want to discourage anyone so if you have the ability if you have any kind of tip that's something that you know or think you know please call it in because it it says here that um 
that you can be listed as a confidential witness and it will not be revealed that you were the one that called in the tip. So I guess that's the part they can, they can find out who it that's is, good. but yeah, they're not going to say, Oh, well, you know, Mr. Smith over here called in a tip. He's right there. See him. You know, I guess that's what they mean. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause a lot of people would fear, exactly. especially if you know the perpetrator. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can see that. That's why I wanted to get your, your thoughts on why you think people don't call in tips, because I think that that's a lot of the reason why some people, I mean, some people don't mind calling in saying, well, you know, I seen a lady, you know, cause they don't know the lady and she probably don't know them. So they don't mind telling that, but they don't want to go, well, my neighbor or my, you know, cousin, or whatever, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of scary and I get it. So I guess if they can be reassured right. and it would be so much better coming from the police. So, you know, again, if, if there's any, if we have any reporters that are listening, uh, any journalists that, um, you know, want to cover a case that could absolutely be life changing. I mean, wouldn't you agree? This is, this is the case. Yeah. I told you before, my husband was the one that originally said that it made so much sense. Right. This would change the yeah. career of a journalist. I mean, this is, this is the, I mean, if there's any actual journalist listening right now, this is, this could make your career and um, it would be fascinating. And if you're an author, if you're a true crime author, you know, imagine if we had Truman Capote here today, he could get writing about this because it's a fascinating case. And there's so much that we haven't discussed yet. I think we're going to do that on a future episode, a near future episode. Um, we're just going to try not to use people's names, but there have been so many people. There's been so many coincidences in this case. So many people that look like they could have been the perp. I mean, I mean, probably didn't we have a handful of people that all just equally looked like they could have done it because of all the right. information I mean, that whether lined it was up they were perfectly. closely, you know, um, related to her in some way. And I don't mean like family related, but yeah, I mean, it just lined up so well and, 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 and it was weird because mm-hmm. the, and I know somebody made this comment at one, at one time and I thought that's exactly right. The PLI list was getting larger and not smaller, you know, it just kept growing and it was just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, we should be, we should be Xing these off. And instead of Xing them off, we're adding them, we're adding more to the list. So it's really crazy. Right. And yeah, it is. And there's just been so many interesting things that have happened. And, um, you know, just we try to keep on keeping on, but we get discouraged. So if MPD would please speak up and if, if a journalist could get them to say anything and to have an actual press conference would be ideal and to let the reporters ask them questions again, like they did that first couple of times, you know, that first day that Missy was murdered, they were taking questions from reporters and they were sitting around in chairs asking them at the podium to answer questions and I would like to see oh, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Again now, it was a, it later. was a real letdown when the anniversary came up and went and nothing. I mean, because usually at first it was the 18th, and then it lingered. You know, went to the 18th and the 19th, and then it started becoming the 17th because people were trying to get their get their story out before the other you know news channel did it. And then this past you know anniversary, nothing. I mean, nothing. Well. And, you know, we talked about this case making um, a journalist's career. How mm-hmm. about the DA? The Ellis County DA could make a career, make, this would make his career if he would um, 
be able if he could get this thing prosecuted and solved on his watch. Of course, now he's been there's been a reelection and he's on his way out soon. Um, but there's still time. Um, and also, you know, I guess my question is why not use that gate analysis technology and that Japan mm-hmm. has and Scotland Yard uses? I mean, it's supposed to be as accurate as um, it's at the point now where the technology is as accurate as mm-hmm. fingerprints. Um, so I would love to see them step up and use that. I'm certain those companies would do it free of charge for a high, um, for a, um, you know, such a prominent case, high profile case. Um, but I just don't understand why they're not making those large strides. If I was the DA, I would say, what do I have to lose? You know, let's take all these videos that the, that their friends at podiatrist looked at and let's yeah. turn them into this high tech company because a friends at podiatrist, you know, is using his eyeballs and his knowledge. And I completely think that's wonderful. But at the same time, I think also connecting those videos up to this gate analysis software could really tell a good story. Um, yeah. I don't know why they're not doing stuff I agree like with that. you. I mean, it's, um, we, we have, we've said that till we're literally blue in the face where we don't know what's going on and why they're not saying anything. But mm-hmm. We are definitely trying to, on this mm-hmm. episode, um, you know, talk about how important it is and how badly we want to see someone do a story on this case and press for answers that nobody has been pressing for. Everybody's just, you know, let it go. And I, I, I understand we don't know exactly what to do, but we're at least trying to, you know, get the word out, I guess. Well, and it's possible they've done all these things and they just don't have enough to prosecute a case that's going to be very difficult mm-hmm. to get a guilty verdict in when you just don't have anything other yes. than a completely covered up person. Um, so I get the, I get the frustration that they must be feeling. And I don't mean to point the finger at law enforcement. I'm sure they're doing everything they can. I just hope that's right. the case. We don't know because <laughs> exactly. they're not talking to us. Um, I wanted to um, end it on, I'll tell you something that I, I noticed on our, our anchor website and I just found it interesting. So I just thought I would share it to you, share it with you to just kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Um, but you know how we have categories on there and it talks about, um, you know, the States and, and then how many females versus males we have listening to our podcast. Okay. So one of the things that has yeah. is that age broke breakdown breakdown. And remember we were talking about how it's funny that our age group is right there in the in the <laughs> the most listened to <laughs> in our age category. I think it's like fifty mm-hmm. to fifty nine or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, um, one of the age groups is eighteen to twenty two. There's no one listening. <laughs> I think, I think it's, I think, I think the biggest age group was 45 to 55. Yeah, it probably is. If I remember correctly. I just. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I'm 29, so I don't know what you're talking about. So I got (laughs) you. So um, I just thought it was interesting that one of the um, age categories that has zero listeners is 18 to 22. (laughs) They just straight up don't care. No, but I think what it is, is that true crime. um, My son made a comment early on when we started the podcast. He goes, yeah, it's that. He goes, yeah, it's the, it's the middle-class mom's (laughs) true crime thing. I get it. (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? But you know what? If if you look at the statistics, like you said, and I don't know, I thought perhaps, you know, age 45 is the age that 
that Missy was at the time of her death. I thought, well, maybe that was the attraction, but I really do think that the true crime audience is sort of the mom, the the mom types, you know, Um, it's not, it's, we do have male listeners, isn't it? Like 35% male, female is 74%, male is 15%, not identified is 7% and non-binary is 4%. I know. Interesting. Yeah, we used to not have mm-hmm. we used to not have any non-binary. So I guess that right. shows that we're growing because we're getting mm-hmm. more categories checked. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting. I'll have to take a look at the statistics again. I was looking at them I probably once at, a week there for a while. Yeah, I just looked at them today. I haven't looked at them in a week. while, and I just thought it was funny because there's we have a few zero to seventeen, <laughs> which is interesting, <laughs> and then zero mm-hmm. eighteen to twenty two. And then, you know, 23 to 27, 28 to 34, 35 to 44, and then 45 to 59 is the most. And then 60 plus, we have just a few. <laughs> that was it. It was 45 to 59. That's our bread and butter know, right really there. Is. That's so interesting, isn't it? And I don't really understand that at all because I've been into yeah, true crime exactly. my entire life. It wasn't like I, you know, grew, it's not like when I grew up and had kids, I suddenly became interested. I mean, I was, you know, following this when I was a very young woman. So, um, a young teenager, a teenager too, I became interested. So I guess I would yeah, have been in that smaller I started, category. Um, I started taking classes people. for criminal justice when I was, let me see. Uh, I think I started in 2003. So my kids were mm-hmm. 10, nine and 10. So yeah, I started taking classes back then and, and it was definitely an interest, you know, obviously way before that, before I ever even started taking classes. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I remember my very favorite thing that I ever got to do when I was taking my classes was we got to write a, a, a person in prison and I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, who am I going to pick? And, and so I thought, you know, I'm just going to pick somebody at random. I'm just going to pick them, you know, random person. Cause I don't want to get too into it. Cause I don't be mad. Cause I didn't pick the right person. So I just randomly picked somebody and wrote them. And the person, I think I've talked about this before, but she wrote me back and she was actually a person that murdered. Um, I thought it was her boyfriend, but anyway, her and this guy murdered, I think it was her boyfriend and uh, in Austin, Texas. And she actually wrote me back and told me all about it. There was a book and I went and read the book in like one day. And um, uh, anyway, it was just a really interesting case. But yeah, I've been interested in true crime forever. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. That's really cool. And yeah, it's really just crazy to think that we've got this like age bracket and, um, I, and, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with that being Missy's age bracket or if it's just a coincidence, but it's pretty wild. And, um, yeah, so we're just going to keep on keeping on whoever's out there that wants to listen. We appreciate you. And, um, we're going to keep this thing going oh, yeah, as long as we about can. The, the, uh, the question so. thing, if we want to do that soon, yeah, 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 yeah. On the anchor app. Now, um, I, I know that we have a percentage of our listeners that listen to this directly on the anchor app, but those of you who are listening on Apple, I, um, Apple, um, podcast or Google or some other, um, iTunes, some other method, some other platform, if you don't mind, if you have a question for us and instead of trying to figure out how to get a phone number for you guys to call in and record it, that just sounded really cumbersome. We have the ability to receive custom, um, 
listener comments on the Anchor app. So instead of, you know, just leaving a comment, if you would like to ask a question, we will put that question on the air and we'll answer it as best we can. Of course, we'll research it first um, and do what we can to answer it correctly. But if we feel like we can even come close to answering it, or if we just think that the question will be of interest to everyone and open up the discussion, we will definitely put it on there. So please visit our Anchor app. I mean, not our Anchor app, the Anchor app and our podcast, of course, is called True Crime Broads and it's available on the Anchor app. And there is a button you can push to um, get a spoken comment to us. And if you could just put your questions in that format, that would be super easy for us to edit in and get answered for you instead of right, trying to figure out how to do phone call I think it's going to be really interesting to do that. And I think that people will enjoy being able to kind of be a part of one of our podcasts or many, maybe, because it might be hard to do several at once. Yeah, I think that'll be neat. Yeah. Yep. That'd be All awesome. Right. Okay. Well, it was wonderful talking to everybody out there. And thanks again for tuning in to True Crime Broads. And we are looking forward Absolutely. to talking to you again soon.